Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce you today to Amy Petty Colvin. Amy is someone who I've watched from a distance. She's somebody that I first met virtually um, because we were both writing books about the same time and in a shared community. And the thing that I really love about Amy is the work that she does, and I'm going to let her talk more about that and introduce herself to all of you, but I think for any of us who are venturing into new areas, what Amy has to share and her own life experience will help us get unstuck and step forward. So Amy, welcome, and could you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Great. Thanks, Sarah, and thanks everyone for listening. Um, I, as Sarah said, am Amy Patsy Colvin, and right now the thing that I love most is helping people figure out how to have healthier, more peace-filled, more resilient lives by applying the ideas of acceptance and compassion to themselves as well as to others. And um, I'm sure through this conversation, Sarah will kind of tease out how I ended up getting here, but it's been a really fun journey. And and I will say that it's not something that happened overnight. I've been thinking about these ideas for a long, long time, and it's just relatively recently that it's come together, and that is what I'm now working on as a business. So what actually brought you to this point where you said, let's go down this path? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I, I, and I started the entre- entrepreneurial path in March of 2017, full-time. And what I've been doing before that is I've been a massage therapist in a corporate environment. And I loved being a massage therapist. I loved that hands-on work. But I began to see that the underlying thread for all of these people was that they were stressed out and it was manifesting in their bodies. And I thought, you know what? I'm happy to help them one hour, 90 minutes at a time. But what I really want to do is to help them realize that there's tools and techniques out there to help them manage their own stress so that they might not necessarily need to come see me because they're physically uncomfortable. And so once I started thinking about, okay, I want to be able to help people in a a more robust way than purely hands-on work, Actually, and and I started thinking about this maybe three or four years ago, and I have a a long-time meditation practice that's largely Taoist, and the three pillars of Taoism are compassion, humility, and moderation, and I really like that heartfelt compassion piece. So I started asking around, and there's a couple of fairly well-known meditation instructors in the community in which I was living And one of them said, you know, Stanford has just put together a program that's an eight-week program called Compassion Cultivation Training, and I think they're looking for people to teach that curriculum. So I looked on Stanford's website, found what he was talking about, and sure enough, there was a training cohort coming up in about um, nine months. So I applied to the program, got in, did a six-month certification program with Stanford on their curriculum, and... That's what helped really cement for me and launch me into this idea of being able to teach compassion meditation to folks, either in a group setting or working with people one-on-one or in workshops, on retreats. So that's, and, and having that really clear goal of, okay, I want to help people. I want to help people be more self-compassionate. And I went out and learned some tools that then in turn 
allowed me to be successful in, in taking that forward. So let's back up. Well, you were still working in your corporate role, um, which had some predictability to it, I imagine. Mm-hmm. What was that like to change from that to going into something you didn't know, right? I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. And there is. Did you leave that job or did you try and do both? Or That's a great question. I did a little bit of both for a while. So I got my feet wet teaching meditation actually in that corporate setting. And just by, I mean, the, the biggest thing was getting, getting the feet wet. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? And when I found that I could do it, and I called up a friend of mine, a, a longtime student of the same meditation teacher, and I, I knew that he used to teach meditation at a university in the Southeast. And I said, how did you get started? And he said that our teacher, whose name is Leong, he said that Leong just said, follow your heart and you do the right thing. <laughs> which sounds really basic and it isn't necessarily practical in all cases. But so I got my feet wet teaching in corporate, but then making that transition, um, I actually gave myself and my husband a year's notice so that I could put together a, a reasonable financial plan so that I could put some money into savings so that it wouldn't be springing it on him so that he gets into a flustered panic of, oh my gosh, we're losing this stable income. And having that year of time also allowed me to really think about and try on different ideas to see what I thought might work and what what might not work. So the, the biggest challenge, honestly, the biggest challenge for me was letting go of that stable income. And what helped me get through that was having the faith that I could help people in a bigger, broader way. I really am about empowering people to help themselves. And it's, you know, what I teach, some of it seems to be common sense and some of it might be new ideas, but I liked that idea of helping people help themselves. And so I had tremendous faith in what my intention to do was was um in reality yeah the money hasn't exactly been what i hoped it might be but the other piece of it is recognizing that patience is a virtue and that there is a process and talking with other people who have started their own businesses realizing that i'm not alone in the process of it taking time realizing that it might be two or three years before I actually have replacement income for what I shifted out of and being comfortable with that. Again, because I made some pragmatic choices around creating a savings buffer. So I didn't take that leap and go, uh Oh, how am I going to pay the mortgage? That's an interesting approach, right? I mean, it's very thoughtful. However, even a year savings isn't going to carry you because you go through it quicker when you're not replacing it. Did you experience things that kept you up at night or have like nagging doubts about anything or did your trust and your faith just kind of get you through? I didn't have a lot of nagging doubts and I've, I'm fortunate in that I usually don't, I'm not kept up at night. All of those fears actually hit me in the daytime. <laughs> so it's not to say that that little internal voice wasn't talking to me because it was, but a couple of things that I do and have done that were helpful is that, again, this this longtime teacher of mine, this mentor, Leong, 
I did actually ask him at one point, what do you think of this? And he said, I think that it's really good. He said, I think that your heart is not in what you're doing in the corporate world anymore. But for you, don't oversell it. The right people will find you at the right times. And more than anything, have fun. Make it joyful and have fun with whatever you're doing as you put effort into the processes, as you learn new things. Always have fun with it. So that was one tool or helpful thing is to find a friend or a mentor who can see the bigger picture. Um, And the other one is when that little voice pops up, really taking the time to look at it, to listen to it rather than suppressing or denying it and say, okay, what's the underlying need here? Why, Why are you making this much noise? And, you know, for me, it was really funny because at one point I was talking to somebody and it's like, I had this little tiny job of the hut sitting on my shoulder saying money, you must have more money, money. And instead of just letting that voice rule my mind or rule my life, I sat down with it and said, okay, realistically, little job of the hut, why do we need more money? We have enough. And to recognize that it was social norms and social expectations that were making that voice rise up rather than the reality, I have enough. And if if things are tight, then okay, you know, maybe I modify my grocery shopping, but we have enough, I have enough. And, And recognizing that and being able to then work with that little voice that cropped up and embracing it and saying, I get it, I get you're scared. You know, but let's move forward. Let's channel that energy into something productive instead of getting stuck in the fear. Do you do that on paper or do you just kind of envision that and like you're having, like we're having a conversation? That's a great question. For me, I just envision it. Um, I, but if you, and I'm, but I, because I'm not much of a journaler, I tend not to write a lot of stuff down. But if, you know, if you are, a journaler, then by all means, you know, you could even write it out like a scripted play, or you could grab a tape recorder and have this, you know, conversation with this little self on a tape recorder and transcribe it if you wanted to. But for me, it was, it's always been more about just having that internal conversation and then having those ahas and just kind of feeling them in my body and knowing how to move forward. I do something similar, like when the freak out is what I call it. Like I can feel my body start to amp up and I'm going, what is happening here? And um, sometimes I'll just write like, and I'll know the name of the, like I'll know the name of the thing. And sometimes it's Henry or whatever. And it's like, what's up? You know, because you're frankly, you're bugging me, right? The chatter's bugging me, but it's so interesting to write and question, right? Like, why are you scared? Well, if that happened, could we live with it? Yes. Like you were saying, we could modify the grocery list, but it starts to calm your fears to be able to say, oh yeah, I've, I've handled a lot more than that in the past, but we get comfortable, right? And we forget how much we've come, been able to do to get to this very moment in time, whatever path we've been on, because we're still standing. Right. Yeah. And that's a great point. The fact that to, to bring in for yourself the recognition that you have handled something that's bigger than this. Yes, indeed. So um, will you talk a little bit about your compassion work and, um, and your 
classwork because as we were talking a little bit before we started, it's so interesting for me and other women, high achieving women, women who are going through transition, we cut ourselves very little slack. You know, things that we offer, the grace we offer others, we often don't offer ourselves. And maybe you could share with us some of your thoughts about how to even think about that. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, so in terms of the kind of work that I'm doing, um, and you can find out more by visiting my website, which we'll get to later. It's um, www.amypattecolvin.com, P-A-T-T-E-E. Basically, the, the kind of work that I'm offering, it's, it's, I offer it either in a seven-week process, a weekend workshop, or international retreats. I'm, I'm actually taking a group of folks to Peru in May. So if you're motivated to be in a beautiful place and learn some tools around creating transition and moving into acceptance of self and others, come join me in Peru in May. Oh, I totally forgot your question. So how can you? <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. So that, this is a prime example of applying self-compassion because we're all human and we do that, right? Now I totally remember where we were going with that. It's that ability to apply self-compassion to what's going on. So, all right, all of you fantastic listeners, I can tell you, I don't feel bad about totally having a brain fart right there. Because I'm a human being. And as much as I'm, a, a, you know, have always been an overachiever, you got to let that go sometimes and go, all right, you know what? Stuff's going to happen. And um, so in terms of tools around working with self-compassion, um, number one, I can't stress to all of you enough how important being willing to be kind to yourself is. It's being being compassionate or kind to other people is not sustainable if you are not kind to yourself first. So Amy, give us an example of what being kind to yourself looks like, because I think it's an easy thing to hear and go, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I'm not sure it's easy when you try to apply it necessarily or internalize it. Well, and it's interesting because it can look like so many things. Um, one example is what we just experienced right there is me making a flub and choosing not to feel bad about it, choosing not to feel judged. I mean, if you want to judge me, that's totally fine. You can do that, but I don't judge me. And being able to put down that invisible backpack of self-recrimination gives you so much freedom in life. So whenever you make a mistake... If you're going to spend energy in thinking about it and ruminating about it, spend that energy in helping yourself find creative solutions so that you don't do it again. And if you're not creating proactive solutions to a previous problem, let it go. That right there is a huge act of self-compassion. It's, it's easier said than done, but I can promise you if you practice it, it will become second nature. The other thing that may not seem quite as obvious is for me, a huge form of self-compassion is when I'm feeling overwhelmed, which can happen quite a bit as I'm building a new business, I just take some time to completely disconnect and go do a jigsaw puzzle where I'm not accountable to anybody. I'm not fulfilling anybody else's or even my own to-do list or needs. I'm just doing something that is for me. 
And like I said, for me, it's jigsaw puzzles. For you, it might be taking a bath. It might be going for a walk in the woods. You know, anything where you can move into a space where you're not accountable to anybody for anything at all. And I think that's a huge form of self-compassion because you're, you're releasing all of those pressures that either yourself or society or loved ones are putting on you and you go, okay, I've had enough. And then when I do that, then I can go back into what I'm doing, feeling recharged and refreshed. It seems kind of counterintuitive, right? When you have this long list of things you have to do, the pressure list to say I'm unplugging, right? Yeah. It feels very counterintuitive and at the same time, extremely self-affirming. Right. Right. And it's, you know, again, before we we hit the record button, um, Sarah and I were talking about reading. And and when I was younger, my pattern would be, okay, I love to read. I love suspense mystery novels. I get tremendous pleasure out of that. And I'm not going to do that until all the chores are done. As I've moved into my adult life, I recognize that there's never a time that the chores are going to be done all the time. It's like, okay, so you have to take those moments for pleasure and for uh, to release that pressure. You have to do it on a regular basis. And interestingly, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was out walking my dog, and I what I have noticed in my business is that I was doing all the superficial skate along the top stuff. I, you know, okay, let's go look at that. Let's go balance the spreadsheet with the finances. Okay. And for me, that's very easy and it's very fun, you know, or let's go, let's go look at, you know, pretty pictures to put on the website. And, but what I wasn't doing was what needed to be done, which is taking that deep dive down into, okay, really, you need to completely revamp your website. And I got so stuck in doing all those superficial things. And part of it is that I relish taking those deep dives. I really love to do that. It's sort of like reading a book, but there was all these other superficial things that I could do. And so it was really interesting. I actually had that, that parallel aha moment. It's like, Oh, this is the way you used to be about reading books get over it and go take that deep dive into that piece of the process that you don't know yet and go learn it. You know, you're going to love it once you get in there and start learning it. And so for me, again, going back to circling back to this idea of self-compassion, it was a very self-compassionate act to all of a sudden have that epiphany of, Oh, the most kind thing you can do for yourself is to just get in the mud and go play and learn something new because that's what needs to be done. Stop dancing around the edges of it and just go dive in. That kind of sounds like advice that you were given also by your mentor and teacher, right? It's like dive in to the stuff that you enjoy, stay connected to yourself, mm-hmm. right? I want to come back and ask you then, when you find yourself um, – coming up against an obstacle or a challenge, do you have a particular way of addressing that? I mean, that kind of, that was a little mini thing, like what you just said, like, okay, I need need to be focusing on something different, and yet I'm checking off these other things up on the surface. But when you've had a big obstacle between you and where you want to be, how do you approach those? Oh, I just go hide under a blanket. (laughs) So that's helpful. (laughs) No, 
but I honor the piece of me that wants to, you know, and I guess, I guess it's really just that willingness to keep going, that willingness to know that not everything is going to be comfortable and easy when you're creating transition, when you're building a new business, when you are making a life transition, whatever that life transition might be. And I love the point that you brought up about connecting with self. And I think that that's a really important piece of it. And, and actually, uh, now that I'm speaking, something does come to mind that's totally not business related. And I wouldn't have necessarily thought of it, but not too long ago, I summited Mount Kilimanjaro. And surprisingly, it was easier than I thought it might be, but with, it wasn't without work. And on summit day, which actually started at 1130 at night, so we were walking up this mountain in the dark. We had a full moon, which was beautiful, and that's why we chose the dates we chose. But just that willingness to know that there is something out there that you aspire to. In that case, it's aspiring to get to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro. And that process of putting down the left foot, putting down the right foot, planting my poles, and doing that over and over and over again for six hours, it wasn't particularly pleasurable. It wasn't particularly awful, but it's what needed to happen to get to the top. And so being willing on occasion to be in that mindset of, is this really fun? Maybe not fun, but it's worthwhile. It's worth pushing. It's worth continuing because you believe in where you're going. You believe that in the long run, there's something really great that's going to happen. And for us, it was watching the moonset and the sunrise all at the same time at six o'clock on the top of Africa. That's a really great example, you know, the one foot in front of the other for a worthwhile reason. We will put in, you know, when we post this, we'll have links to your website for you. But I'm wondering, I have a couple of questions, last questions for you. Maybe you could spend a couple of minutes talking about your Peru trip, just because I think there may be some folks who are intrigued. I know I am, so I want to know. And then um, I'm going to ask you about whatever book you are reading that you've got on your list. And then we'll wrap after that. All right. Um, so my trip to Kilimanjaro in Tanzania was a birthday present to myself and to my husband's sister. We both turned 50 this year. And it's like, wow, what greater thing can we think of than to go have fun and climb Kilimanjaro together? And we had a few other family members and friends joining us. And that experience that I just told you about in terms of putting one foot in front of the other to reach this goal, it really highlighted for me how valuable my own personal practice around self-care, meditation, focus training, self-compassion comes into play. And also knowing how excited so many people are to travel to new and interesting places. So this trip to Peru, I'd actually had gone on a meditation retreat there a couple of years ago. And... During that retreat, the day we were in, one of the days we were in Machu Picchu, we were joined by a shaman. In the middle of his blessing ceremony, he called out my name and said, here, I'm handing you this seed. When the ceremony is over, plant this seed in the ceremonial circle. And when you bring your own group back here within two years, come look for the plant. And I was like, what? <laughs> 
have no idea what you're talking about, but okay, thanks. And so I planted that seed. And then, you know, I think that sort of just bubbling in the back of my head. And when I came back, um, well, actually, I was, it was on another trip. I came back from that. And I thought, okay, I want to do this. So the trip itself, it's 10 days. And we are going to be exploring a lot of really fantastic Incan sites. So not only are they ancient, some are sacred. Um, the man that's going to be our local guide, Manuel, I met him when I was on an overseas adventure travel trip with my mother a couple years ago. He's a fantastic guide. I feel so blessed that he's going to be with us. We'll be looking at all this, this beauty. But one of the things I'm excited about is, so because my practice is primarily Taoist, I do a lot of work with Qigong, and I'm excited about doing Qigong in all of these ancient sites, connecting with our own internal energy, connecting with the divine within, whatever you want to call that, and connecting with the energy of the, of the world that's around us in each space. So that's a piece of it. The other thing I love about being able to travel with a like-minded group of people is I'm going to hold the intention that we have conversations around acceptance, self-compassion, and joy throughout. It's an active trip. So we will be doing some hiking, certainly around in Machu Picchu and to some of these other sites. But one of the days we're going to do this, you know, five or six hour long day hike up and over a remote Andean pass, drop into a sacred site. We'll have a picnic lunch brought up to us. We'll explore there and then drop back down into the valley. For some people, it will be very physically challenging, but I'm excited to use that as a learning tool, just as I did on Kilimanjaro, where it's like, okay, I'm going to use these tools that I have in terms of connecting with my own internal energy and the energy around me, connecting with my sense of internal strength and stick as we take one step and put it in front of the next so that's, that's the intention behind the trip. And the, the great thing is it's a small group, maximum size is 16. So we'll all get a chance to know one another. The other nice thing about traveling with a group that size, if, the, if there's people you don't really enjoy hanging out with, you don't have to be in their face the whole time. <laughs> so who is, the, you know, you talked about what you're going to do. Who do you say is the ideal person to join this? Like who should have their ears perked up right now? Oh, that's a great question. I would say anyone who's really interested in learning tools around self-compassion and acceptance, anybody who's going through a transition in life and wants some extra tools to be able to help in that process, it's going to be great for people who are just looking to build some skills to have more peace of mind. I mean, as an example right now, um, United States politics is so divisive. And so what I'm, what I'm really inspired to do is to help ease that divisiveness one person at a time, helping people realize how to, how to be more accepting of themselves and others, how to have the courage to be curious about someone who is different than you. Anybody who loves exploring new spaces, anybody who loves the idea of exploring their own internal spaces, come join me. All right. So we'll have all that information up there. My parting question for you, Amy, is um, what is that book that you're going to allow yourself to read next? 
I actually, uh, and it's great, I'm going to take time today, because we've had this conversation, Sarah, um, I am going to take time today and read some of it. It's a book that I heard about through reading a different book, so that's that's the neat thing, is, is how things come into your life. It's called uh, Practical Intuition by Laura Day, and it was written in the late 90s, so it's not super fresh. The book itself is unfolded with a lot of practical exercises, and it's actually... I haven't skimmed through it and jumped ahead, but it sounds like it's written sort of like the book that I wrote, where it's like every day, here's some context, here's some self-reflection questions, and here are some informal practices to take this idea out into the day. So I'm excited about diving into this book because I think it's really important for all of us to listen to our own inner voice, to listen to that intuition, and to make decisions that come from a a more visceral or more spiritual or more knowing place than always making decisions analytically. That's where I'm headed next. I could not have said that better. Amy, I want to thank you so much. And I'm hoping after your travels, we can reconnect and you can share with folks kind of how it went in Peru. Great. I would love to do that. Because I think it'll be something people ask you to do over and over and over again. And since it sounds like like you love traveling, probably not a difficult request. Yeah. So um, with that, Amy, thank you again. And we'll put a link both to your website and your book is that you can find the book on your website also. So listeners, I really encourage you to check out Amy's book. She didn't really talk about it today, but I would recommend that you check that out also when you visit her website. So thank you, Amy, and we will look forward to hearing more from you in the near future. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been great spending this time with you, and it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks. So that's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.